Attraction Talks is a new podcast series highlighting the latest trends and techniques in the rapidly changing field of healthcare, as told from healthcare marketing thought leaders in their own words. Each episode digs into their specific challenges, opportunities, and success stories in an open interview-style format that puts the focus on insights gained from these industry innovators. Based in Atlanta, Georgia, Traction is a digital agency with a specialty in helping healthcare clients build profitable acquisition and retention programs. This is John Eagleton, Managing Partner at Traction. Today's Traction Talks conversation is with Supri Patel of Ionic Security. Uh, we've known Supri at Traction for several years through a few different roles he's held that have revolved around data and data security and healthcare, topics that come up repeatedly wherever there's a discussion about what the industry can do to continue to innovate and evolve. It was great to catch up with him to get his perspectives around the impacts of COVID on these subjects, as well as his insights on telehealth, community, healthcare, consumerism, and lastly, his notion of healthcare becoming a team sport. Take a listen, and we hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Traction Talks. This week, we're joined by Supri Patel. Uh, Supri is the healthcare principal at Ionic Security and responsible for their go-to-market strategy for the health healthcare sector. Supri, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, John. Great. So I know you've got a lot of uh, healthcare background, and uh, so we're really excited uh, to, to have this conversation today. I think there's obviously lots of things happening right now related to COVID, uh, but certainly a lot of things that are happening in a bigger picture related to data in general. So healthcare, you know, has always been seen as kind of an industry with an abundance of data, but whether it's, you know, privacy, regulatory, maybe cultural issues, it's never really been one known for using it or leveraging it very well. Do you think that's finally changing? Yeah, I do. You know, um, I read an interesting article the other day, I think from AWS, that um, that said healthcare contributes as much as 30% of the entire world's stored data with, uh, with a single patient generating close to 80 megabytes each year, which I found just astounding. I, I think people don't realize how much data there is in healthcare. And it it exists in so many forms, you know, text, images, um, you know, structured data, unstructured data. So there's there's just, as you correctly point out, there's a treasure trove of data. Um, I do think that there's been a shift in the ability to make sense or make use of that data. You know, um, artificial intelligence, um, AI especially, seems to have amazing potential to um, to be able to harness all of this data and, and make predictions, accurate predictions, um, and kind of find hidden insights, um, you know, from all this information. So I, I do see that that's being used and, um, you know, very efficiently and effectively in, in a lot of care settings. Um, but, you know, with that being said, I think with the abundance of data, um, we also have seen a, an increased, you know, um, penetration into that data from from hackers. And so, you know, we are seeing movement in the industry to, to, to secure this data um, and make sure that it's, you know, us that's able to analyze that data and not, you know, um, bad actors or threat actors. Um, so that's uh, that's definitely, you know, with the rise of the data and with the proliferance of, of all these new technologies, we also have to think about the risk and, um, you know, from that side as well. Sure, absolutely, you know, especially for, uh, you know, for privacy and, and and just, you know, overall healthcare records and things like that, that certainly makes sense. And, and has always, I think, been a key area, as you pointed out. So kind of shifting gears here a little bit. So, you know, it's been said uh, that, that COVID has significantly accelerated the innovation and, and maybe in particular healthcare, which obviously has had to really change on the fly, uh, whether it's moving to telehealth models or, you know, just in terms of how they're 
you know, having to process patients uh, for, for safety reasons. So, you know, what are some of, um, you know, I guess from your vantage point working within this market, have you seen some of this trend play out? I mean, you know, do you think some of these or many of these changes are permanent? Sort of what do you see happening in the market from your vantage point? Yeah, it's been a it's been an amazing um, lens into healthcare. You know, obviously the pandemic has has had a, a you know a negative effect on so many people's lives and, and the economy and, and so many things. But you know, it, it's also given us um, a view of healthcare that that we haven't had before. You know, things like telehealth, like you mentioned, are are patients ready to use those technologies? And um, and and we've you know we've been talking about telehealth in the industry for years. Um, but this was the first time that I think it, it was have it was had to be put into um, into use in, on a mass scale, and we've seen that patients are willing to engage through that medium, and so that's been that's been interesting to see. And I think you know not just providers, but the entire healthcare ecosystem has had to adapt, um, and we've seen a lot of interesting trends. Like medtech um, is a really good example. I think one thing we've learned, um, and this goes to telehealth as well, is that much of what can be done in a hospital or a doctor's office um, can now take place in, in a patient's home, in a person's home, right? Because of things like remote patient monitoring, uh, because of telehealth and all these new technologies, we're able to take the patient and care for them in their own home environment instead of having them, uh, you know, have to come into the, the physical facility of a hospital, which is, I think, great for patients and hospitals. You know, there's a lot of reduction in risk because of that from the patient perspective, um, and it allows the hospitals to um, keep their focus on, on those patients that really need to be in the hospital. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where uh, you see the, the cross-section or, or where things um, kind of come together in terms of patient engagement, uh, patient education, um, meeting data analysis, and AI, right, because providers and, and, and healthcare uh, professionals need to be able to leverage all this data and use it for clinical decision making, um, but they also need to be engaged with the patients and educate them on uh, what it is they're going through. So I, I think that we've seen that in COVID, uh, we've been able to kind of witness this firsthand, and providers have have shown that you know what a tremendous amount of flexibility and, and you know new ways of taking care of patients um, has really come out of it. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned telehealth. Uh, on our last episode, we had Erica Rosenthal. She's the SVP of demand generation for MindPath Care Centers. They're a, a behavioral health uh, provider in, in North Carolina. And she had mentioned that they went from, I think, less than 10% of their business was telehealth before all this. And obviously, that's flipped. And, you know, they don't, it, it's hard to say exactly where that might land post-COVID, but it's certainly, you know, in her comments where it's not going to go back to the, the 10%. They know that. Um, but, you know, I think as, as you sort of alluded to, too, I mean, for the, for the types of medical care, the types of medical care that can happen in a person's home, it certainly makes sense. But it also, it'll be interesting to see if that becomes part of the process even for other things. So, I mean, obviously for other uh, types of care, you, you know, you have to be in a hospital setting, but maybe some of the, the preliminary steps could take place in the home and, and obviously reduce the amount of time that people would have to spend in an office uh, or in a medical facility. And certainly that would have impacts just in terms of costs and operational structures and things like that. That's right. And I think there's an entire infrastructure, um, you know, in that model that, that healthcare is kind of being forced to adopt at a much faster rate than they, than they usually would. You know, for example, a lot of these technologies are, are cloud technologies, you know, telehealth and a lot of the remote patient monitoring things you know, are based on cloud technologies. Um, it, it, we talked to one um, one CISO recently that said, 
I think his quote was he, he had to accelerate a five-year cloud migration journey into five weeks, right? And I think a lot of a lot of people in healthcare are having to do that because they're having to adopt all these new technologies to keep their patients engaged, keep them safe, keep them healthy, um, while you know trying to keep them out of the facilities, um, you know, because there there was and continues to be such a, a shortage of beds and, and capacity issues. Right, right. Now that is that is very fascinating. Um, so in terms of, um, let's talk about communities a little bit. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about healthcare providers needing to better connect with their communities. And certainly this is kind of a, a you know, something that was happening pre-COVID. And whether that community for a given hospital or provider, whether that's, ge- you know, geographic, if it's a rural patient base or urban, or perhaps it's by specialty, um, communities obviously can mean different things. But in terms of data and, you, and leveraging data and technology, what are some of the different ways that you're seeing healthcare um, and medical companies, and this could all obviously include medical device as well. Um, how are they using data to accomplish that, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a shift I know a lot of people have been waiting for for some time, um, but it's happening now, I think, more and more, which is using additional data to connect with patients and understand them at a very granular level. So I, I think, you know, hospitals specifically, right, they, they tended to, and, and a lot of them still do, tend to rely on, on clinical data that they capture in their, in their electronic health record database. You know, what's happening while the patient is actively, you know, in their care or was previously in their care. And the shift has been that that's just a piece of the puzzle. And I think, you know, the more data needs to be consumed and analyzed and, and used in the decision-making process to really understand that person and, and, and what they're going through, not just you know, when they start their care journey. So we're seeing medical companies, healthcare companies use data like purchasing data, you know, consumption data. What are, what are, these, what are these people buying, you know, online, uh, retail? You know, what are their purchasing habits? What, what kind of food are they, you know, buying and, and accessing? Or, or what, do, what do they have in their community? Um, also looking at environmental data, right? Things like pollution, um, temperature, uh, to, to, you know, see what impact that has on things like asthma. Right, or, or using that data to predict uh, what that patient may be suffering from. So, you know, I, I think looking at additional data points um, and using those, you know, what we were talking about just a couple of minutes ago in, in artificial intelligence models to uh, make predictions about people is is one thing that's changing for the for the better. Um, and so, we've certainly seen a proliferance of, of this new data, um, you know, outside of the four walls of the hospital to to make clinical decisions and to better serve communities because I think you know population health has been talked about for for many years in healthcare but this is a this is a component of it right it's not um, it, it's about understanding how there are such differences in health even within a a small geographical area I mean Atlanta is a perfect example right Atlanta is so different when you go just from uh, pockets of Atlanta. You can compare access to healthy foods. You can you can look at data around income and housing um, data, and you can start drawing analysis or drawing useful um, data points from that to to understand these people and and the communities that are at a much deeper level, so that you as a healthcare company are positioned better to deliver the the right type of care in that environment. Um, and, and I think that's really important because you know as we'll see and as we are seeing right now, there has to be a shift in care from, you know, reactive, you know, waiting for somebody to come in for something to preventative. And I think, you know, understanding all these data points helps, you know, fuel that shift. 
Sure. Now, you mentioned something interesting before talking about just some of the different data points that are obviously relevant to a, to someone's health. And, you know, a few years ago, I know there was a huge focus on wearables within the medical and healthcare side, and obviously that's still a big opportunity. But, you know, if you think about just the amount of external data that could be layered on top of that, so you have, you know, wearables and devices like that actually on, a, on somebody's person that can give them specific, you know, vitals and uh, information like that, but then you layer on the external, you know, based on where they live, their zip code, what, you know, just things you can know about them in terms of what their what their what the general health population might look like can obviously be a you know pretty powerful combination. Absolutely, I think the you know the thing we have to keep in mind is is assuring patients um, about the privacy and security of their data that they're sharing, right? So if they're whether it's a device um, or whether it's their own personal you know data that they might be sharing with providers, we do have to consider the, the privacy of that information because it's, you know, it's very important information. And I think more and more we are seeing patients uh, that are willing to, to share their information and engage, you know, through these different mediums. But I'm not sure that the healthcare ecosystem yet is prepared to protect that data, um, although we, we are seeing that, um, that shift and people at least considering it. But, you know, we do need to, to take that into consideration um, as as patients demand these services more, you know, and as they shop for these services and as they, you know, make the active decision to share their information to, to these different medical um, and healthcare organizations. Sure. No, that makes sense. So let's talk about consumerism a little bit. And certainly, you know, healthcare consumerism has, has been a buzzword out there for quite some time. And uh, we do know that people are, are now more actively, or, you know, especially millennials, the younger generation are more actively shopping for healthcare services, depending on, on the need. And, you know, all of us are certainly well aware of what, uh, what happens in the retail environment, what Amazon is, is using our purchasing behavior for, or what Facebook uh, ads are serving to us based on our, you know, what we're using or doing on our phones. So how are you seeing clients apply or, or seeing healthcare companies apply this in healthcare, you know, especially as, uh, again, you're, you know, you think about this younger generation or this new generation of patients who are more likely to look at healthcare as, a, as something they shop for just like anything else in their lives. Yeah, we, we are seeing a big shift. I think, you know, for a lot of, for many years, healthcare marketing, it was kind of a, not a, a faux pas, but it was kind of something that healthcare organizations didn't really like talking about, especially providers, right? The thought of having to go out and, and engage patients and, and do that. But, but now, as you, as you stated, I mean, I, I think that people are willing to shop for services and they want, you know, value, they want convenience, um, they want a, diff- a lot of different things and they value those or weigh those factors, you know, differently. And, and providers and, and, you know, med device companies and even insurance companies, right, everybody has to be cognizant of that. Um, we are seeing, you know, a shift in, in the role of the consumer, um, but you know, one of the interesting trends has been the idea of going direct to consumer. And we're seeing these in, in some of the specialty spaces where, you know, organizations go direct to consumer and, you know, they, they go, they use data to find people that are actively in market for something. Um, and then they engage them through, you know, through a web platform or through mobile apps or, or however that might be. Um, so obviously they're targeting, you know, them just like retail companies target people for, for you know, their goods and services. And then they engage them. They, you know, they bring them into an ecosystem. Um, you know, they offer everything from, you know, devices 
to prescription, you know, filling prescriptions to telemedicine visits to, you know, it, it could be a litany of things. So, you know, they're going direct to consumer and they're, they're finding scale in that. And so, you know, if you're a traditional provider, let's say a hospital or a health system, you know, you have to compete with this, um, this expanding market. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing that the health systems are also doing that. They're getting, you know, smarter about how to engage with patients, you know, earlier in the process and then how to um, engage with them during and after care so that, you know, they can really maximize the, the value, the lifetime value of that patient in their, um, in their ecosystem. So that, I think that's been a, a positive shift from a, from a patient perspective, at least. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It's, it, you know, it's sort of a, there's a little bit of echoes of a push versus pull strategy in there. And certainly healthcare has always been more reactive, you know, something you're, you know, you kind of go through the process of maybe you go to your general doctor and they refer you to a specialist and, and, you know, people have, have certainly seemingly are taking more charge of, of what's going on or, you know, what their needs are in healthcare and potentially going right to the source. And, uh, you know, the, I think Darren Hirsch, who was a guest uh, a few episodes ago, made a mention of the fact that when you're talking about things like CRM and healthcare, it feels a little weird, right? Because you're talking about a purchasing process as if you're talking about retail, but applying that in a healthcare environment. But, you know, certainly those same principles and those same steps apply, and, and certainly those expectations are changing. Yeah, that's right. And I think just as um, we've kind of started to think about patients as consumers, um, Hospitals or, or the, on the other side, you know, the organizations, whether it's, you know, providers, uh, med tech, device, you know, whoever, it, they have to look at their bottom lines too, right? And they have to look at it, it, these decisions from a business perspective, which is, you know, a touchy subject, I think, for many years. But, um, it, it, you know, things go both ways. So they're, they're having to, you know, use data to identify their ideal patient profile, for example. And how do we, you know, take profitability into that? And make sure that we're attracting, you know, the quote unquote right type of patient into the practice or the right type of consumer into our into our ecosystem so that, um, you know, we're getting value as well. So it, it does go both ways. And I think it's it's only fair that it goes both ways. But um, consumerism has also it, it reflects how we as people and patients have changed and how we're shopping for services. But it, it's also um, shown an evolution in the way that care is delivered from the uh, from the healthcare organization perspective as well. Right, right. Absolutely. Okay, so last question I've, I've got for you, Supri, and this is a, it's a sort of a feature thinking question we've asked of a few of our guests, so it's always interesting to get different perspectives uh, on, on, you know, from where people come or their vantage point and looking at this. But imagine it's 2025, and so obviously five years into the future. What do you think healthcare marketing might look like then in terms of, um, you know, how it might serve the dual purpose of both attracting new patients to providers while obviously, you know, at the same time, perhaps improving patient experience. I think this kind of goes into what you were just saying a moment ago about, you know, things cut both ways with the changes. But, you know, how are, what do you see that, that patient experience uh, of the future look like, say, five years from now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good thing to think about because also it makes you think about five years ago, what was happening. And, and we just look at the transformation that's happened just in the last five years. Um, I think, you know, I was reading some literature recently about the idea or concept of, of healthcare as a team sport. And I think that that's a really interesting way to view the evolution of healthcare, especially over the next five years, because I think, you know, previously it was your PCP, right? And they kind of dictated your care. You would go in, you would say, you know, X, Y, Z, they would get you to the right specialist um, who happened to be, you know, 
maybe an, another employed physician in their group or, or their hospital or health system, but that's kind of how things worked. Now we're seeing a shift of people going to, you know, research their, um, their options and, you know, Dr. Google has, has hopped up, right? So, so people can go make those decisions. Um, and I think in the future, um, more and more, I think it's going to become standard practice for people and patients to actually own and control their own data so that they can, you know, they can combine the shopping of services with, you know, showing up to those, um, to those appointments with their own healthcare data so that whoever they choose can then use that data to make the best uh, decisions, clinical decisions possible for that patient. So I think that we're going to start seeing an, an evolution and a shift there to patients, um, you know, demanding and wanting to, to own their data and to take it with them and, um, you know, help, you know, use that in the, in the care process because, you know, it, it, it also signals that they want to be more involved in, in their, in their care journey. They're not just, you know, the person receiving care. They're going to, they're going to be more involved in that. So I think that, you know, over the next few years, we're going to see an evolution of the patient. Um, you know, just as we've seen, um, evolution in, in healthcare ecosystems and delivery models and things like that over the last five years. But I, I'd keep, you know, my focus on the patient side of things, which speaks really directly to, to, you know, what you were mentioning earlier about marketing. Because if the shift is going to be around the patient, the, the question is going to be, how do you then engage, educate, um, you know, stay in front of those patients to make sure that they're getting the right care at the right time? Um, and, and, and how do you pinpoint those people as they're looking for services or even before they're looking for services and, and use data to make those predictions and, um, you know, make those touch points possible? Now, you know, along with all this, as, as I stated before, uh, there's going to be more data. People are going to want to control that data, uh, but security is going to be a pretty big issue around that. You know, how do you keep this um, this data secure? How do you keep it private? How do you allow people to own their data and then share it uh, with who they want to share it with and, and who it's appropriate uh, for them to share it with? So I think that with that, you know, that positive and, and with that energy, we also have to consider um, what can come of all this new data. And that's where the security piece and the privacy piece certainly come in. Sure. Now you're so right about um, you know people wanting to own more of that data, and I think today, to a, maybe to a point you made earlier, I think people are maybe not sure exactly what that means right now, and maybe maybe there's a little bit of an intimidation factor where, you know, just even keeping their information private and all of those things. But for any of us who have gone through the hassle of trying to transfer records, <laughs> which yeah. I hope five years from now we'll look back on that and and. That will be a thing of the past, but um, you know certainly it's obvious there could be improvements made there. But at the same time, you know balancing security needs, as you mentioned, you know throughout this conversation, just is obviously extremely important, uh, and, and also just making sure that we're we're being relevant to that individual patient's needs. I mean, you know we we may compare it to retail in some ways, but certainly what's happening in healthcare is way more important than but you're going to buy tomorrow from Amazon. So, you know, keeping that in mind throughout the process as, uh, as you know, we're improving some of these areas. Absolutely. And I think we've, you know, right or wrong, I think um, it, it maybe in, in some way took COVID and, and this pandemic for us to have an appreciation for our healthcare system. I mean, there are obviously inefficiencies. There's a lot that we can fix, but it's also an industry that I think has shown a remarkable amount of flexibility in delivering care to so many people and in, in such a, you know, condensed time frame. So um, I think that there is, 
certainly room for growth and there's certainly room for improvement, but there's, there's also, you know, you've really seen a, an amazing thing kind of transpire in, in terms of what patients are willing to do, what providers can do, um, things like that. So I, you know, I, I did read, there was a survey of physicians recently, and I think, you know, over two thirds of them do, um, you know, they're going to, they think it's standard practice that patients are going to want to own and, and control their health data in the future. And so I think that we're already heading in that direction. So. Right. Right. Well, Supre, this has been great. Um, always, always enjoy talking with you and, and certainly there's a lot of, uh, a lot of great things and interesting things happening in, in healthcare for all the reasons that you've mentioned. Uh, before I let you go, um, do you want to give us a little bit of background on Ionic and some of the resources they they may have available related to this, and uh, and how our how our listeners can get in touch with you if they'd like? Yeah, absolutely. So Ionic uh, really comes in with with this proliferation of, of cloud-based technologies that so many healthcare companies are, are looking to to leverage, whether it's to store data or to actually analyze it. Right. So with that move to the cloud comes security concerns. And that's where Ionic steps in and, and you know, allows for uh, unified data security, access control, things like that to that, you know, to that sensitive information. So um, it, the easiest way to get in touch with me is, you know, email just Supreet at ionicsecurity.com. Um, and then they can learn more about Ionic at ionic.com. And um, yeah, that's about it. Sounds great. Well, again, Supreme, really appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again, hopefully post-COVID. Maybe we can have a similar conversation about where uh, some of these things have gone. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Sounds great.